Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise God. Let's, let's be in prayer for those that are not here. April is supposed to be here next Sunday with the baby. So I'm excited about that. Y'all will get to see my grandbaby. I'm, I'm a very proud grandpa. I, I call her four or five times a day and say, let me see a picture of her. And so she, fa- she FaceTimes me and shows me uh, what she does. And, and I believe today is a, a special day. I believe it's a, how many of you know uh, it's not just sermon as normal? Y'all remember what I said I was going to do today? Illustrated sermon. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, today is a, a very special day because I know that God is going to do something amazing. And uh, a lot of times people don't understand it's not a parrot or a canary now. Uh, it's better than that. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream repeatedly. And, and, and I know some of you may not believe that God speaks through dreams and, and stuff. But, and I know some dreams are pizza dreams and spaghetti dreams and uh, chili dreams. You know what I'm talking about? But God does speak to us through dreams. And so I had this consecutive dream. And in the Bible, anytime you have a consecutive dream or anytime God speaks a word to you consecutively, that means he's trying to get your attention. Go back in the Bible and study. Matter of fact, I will challenge you today, since everybody likes Google, ask Google prophetically uh, about dreams. Man, it'll blow your mind what they say. So I had this, I had this rep, uh, repetitively dream, and, and I said, Lord, I got it. I got it. And, and I believe this is a prophetic moment. I don't know how how prophetic you are. I don't know if you believe in God sending supernatural word to you, and I don't know if you believe that or not, but I do know that there will be some people in this room today get this message, recognize it, comprehend it, and know it was a word from God. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we've been trying some stuff, and and how many of you know that God's progressive in your life? You know, and I say this because when you first get saved, it's a, it's a very sweet, sweet experience. God will speak to you on very elementary levels. Uh, I remember my own personal life when God spoke to me. It's like I'd be, I'd be just riding down the road or working or, or praying or something. All of a sudden, I'd see like a TV screen in front of me, and the Lord would speak to me through that. And he would speak to me. And, but as I began to grow and mature in the Lord, it left the TV set, and it become, and it began to, he began to speak to my heart. He began to speak to my spirit. Then, then as I kept maturing, he began to speak to me through the word. And, and that becomes harder because uh, we have a tendency to want to say, I want to sit in daddy's lap. I want to stay there all the time because it's a safe zone. Or it's easier when, when you're constantly hearing God speak to you or, or the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's easy to stay connected to God. And, and then as you grow, he begins to speak to you word 
and he will speak a word to you. It's not a constant no more. And if somebody tells you God speaks to me every day, I don't pay them no attention. I don't. It's not scriptural. It's not. And I do know people that say, as the Lord speaks to me every day, the Holy Spirit will guide you and he will speak to you through his word daily. He'll speak to you through his word daily. And, and so I want you to understand that God uses different things to speak to us. He always has. He always will. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, to show you how progressive God is in our lives, do you remember the first time God had an encounter with Moses? Huh? The burning bush. Now, now, can you imagine? Now, it, this is pretty much how God meets everybody. They're walking along life's way, and all of a sudden they have a God encounter, and boom, the light bulb goes off. They have a God encounter, and God tries to get their attention, and he, he gets their attention by something very profound, and it changes their life. And Moses' case is here he is walking along the desert, and all of a sudden he sees a bush burning. And that would get your attention, wouldn't it? That's the first time he has an encounter with God. The second time he has an encounter with God, he goes over and the whole mountain's on fire. See, God is a progressive God. God wants to do, he wants to constantly be doing stuff in our lives. And if we come to a place of standstill or staleness in God, then we don't never have the mountain experience with God. Uh, I, I, I found a good analogy this week, and I believe that you'll appreciate this 100%, because some of you don't really, really believe that God exists, and you won't give God your whole life because you don't know how, how big God really is. But let me give you an analogy, because we, I found this is the best way I could explain God in someone's life. How many of you have ever took a vacation? It's not a trick question. Just raise your hand. All right, now let me ask you a question. Now I believe in being spontaneous and, and all that and, and all that. But but the vacation you took, how many of you planned your vacation? You planned your road trip out, you planned, you turned you know, now I know nowadays we got GPS and all, but we plan out our trip, right? We're gonna do, we're gonna go down this road and we're gonna do this and it's gonna take this long. We get there, we're gonna stay at this motel. But do you know? That's your plans, right? But do you know now, and you may not realize this, but God also has plans for your life. Before He says, even while you're in your mother's wombs, I have plans for you. He does. God has plans, guys, and, and it's written all across heaven in the universe, plans for your life. But the problem with us is, our plans don't always correspond with his plans or, or nor do we seek out his plans instead of our plans. Because the Bible says, you know, uh, his ways are so much higher than ours. Could it be possible then, could it be possible that God has plans for your life but you're not on God's course? That's good, isn't it? Because 
I know we all have plans and we're planning to prosper and we're planning to, we're planning to do this and we're planning to do that, but could it be possible that we're on the wrong plans for our lives? So to, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've been telling you, God's been speaking to us about doing some different things in the church. Dr. J preached the message and we had 35 or 40 here. And uh, so we put the message on the internet, on Facebook. She preached for 35, 36 minutes here at the church to 40 people. But on, on Facebook, she preached over 106 minutes. Somebody ought to say, wow. So what are you saying? I'm saying that there's opportunity available for people to minister worldwide. There's opportunity for you to be put in mainstream. There's opportunity for you to advance in whatever area it is, if, if it's your business, if it's your personal walk. There's opportunity available. So... I had a dream, and I, I ignored the dream. Then I had the dream again. And the second time I had the dream, I was trying to see beyond the dream. Then the next time I had the dream, I realized what the dream was. It was a window. It was absolutely a window. And, and the Lord began to deal with me on this, about this window. And today I want to title my message, The Window of Heaven. The Window of Heaven. How do we get them open? How do we get them to stay open? Windows is mentioned over 55 times in the Bible. Four places in the Old Testament specifically. And if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to start there. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about the windows. And I pray that you will listen. You will hear what. I believe this is a prophetic moment. I believe this is something that God's saying because I believe that there's a lot of folks is looking at a window or looking through a window and not, not even thinking about what it means. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to start in verse 10. So how many of you, how many of you been in church for a long time knows what Malachi 3 and 10 says? Right. Boy, you're going to be wrong this morning. You're really going to be wrong. Malachi 3 and 10. Boy, thank you, Pat. I want him to use these. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will open the, y'all say that word, windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that shall not, be room enough 
to receive it. Amen. I'm going to stop right there because, see, most of you are already shutting me down. Oh, my God. He's talking about tithing. You're wrong. I'm going to pull a trump this morning. Wrong. I'm not talking about tithing, guys. I'm really not. I'm going to blow your mind today. I'm not even going. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about it a bit. But I want you to realize something this morning. They are windows in heaven that can be opened. And he says that the Lord of hosts saith, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I'm going to tell you today that I believe that the church is living way be, be, below where they should be living. I, I believe that. I'm going to say it again. I believe the church is living way below the standards of where God wants them to live. And, you know, and, and I'm amazed because, I mean, I, I, I know that you, you work for money. I know that you get, you get you're, some of you thinking, man, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I don't need nothing. Uh, uh, I don't need God. I'm doing all this, and God's blessing me. I don't have to have church like y'all do. And, and, and I even heard some people talk about how great returns are, they're getting back from the Lord. And, but let me tell you something. Don't you get too far away now because... I believe where you're at today was based on what you've done a while back. Because I remember some of you when you didn't have a pot. Some of you were struggling and couldn't even hear God and now God is elevating you and blessing you and man, you're doing uh, fairly good now but God is speaking to his people and he says, uh, I want to do something new. I want to open some windows for you that you have never had open in your life. You're used to the blessing but are you ready for a flood of what God's got for you? And I sat there and I dreamed about this window and I dreamed about this window. And, and, and what do you do when you see a window in heaven? What do you do when you see it, when you have a dream? What, what does it mean prophetically? According to Google, you look it up and prophetic dreams of windows or God's trying to show you something be, behind the window. God's trying to protect you from something or God is creating an opportunity. That's what Google says prophetically it means. But, but what does windows mean? According to scripture, a window is a, a hole in a wall where sun and light can come in. Sun and light. Or wind and light, I should say. Wind and light, air and light. It's, it's what, if you look up Webster, that's what it means. But he says here, he says, but I will open the windows of heaven. And I believe that we're used to the, the, the blessing that we can receive, the blessing that someone else can give us, the blessing that we can, uh, 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 we can say, well, so-and-so give me $100 or so-and-so give me uh, a car or so-and-so done this. I believe that we're used to that type of blessing. But I just don't think there's too many of God's people are used to the fact that God says there's a place that you can get to where I will open windows for you. 
I will open windows. This is not a trick sermon. This is not a, a sermon to hype you up. But this is a sermon that if you will take my notes today, if you will take my scripture today, you and prove God, try God, you will find out that this sermon was straight from heaven and everything that I said come right out of the book. Four places in the Old Testament that I know of that he talks about, I will open the windows of heaven. Four places, he says, I will open windows of heaven. And if God said, I will open the windows of heaven, so what does that tell us? Is this okay? So what does it tell us? If, if, if the Bible says that he will open windows in heaven, what does that mean? Thank you, Richard. For I got one. Paying attention out of the whole crowd. I got one. He, he will open windows. Evidently, they must be windows in heaven. They must be windows. And I know that, see, 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 our problem is we're getting satisfied enough just to satisfy us, but if we would ever get hungry for an outpouring of God's uh, presence and spirit, uh, uh, just a monetary blessing wouldn't suffice, uh, sacrifice, uh, we would be wanting rivers of blessing in our lives. You know, I still long for the days where the church has revival breakout and we see massive miracles, massive salvations, massive uh, uh, just unbelievable things happen in the church. I believe that those days will come back to the hungry. I do. But he said, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. And it's funny because the word of heaven, if you look it up in Hebrew, that word means this. That word means sluice. In other words, God will open the sluice of heaven. What are you talking about? That word sluice means dam. Can you imagine today what would happen if you were at the bottom of the dam of Lake Lanier? Now, I want you to picture it. How many of you have been to the Lake Lanier? That's a massive body of water, isn't it? How many of you have ever been to the backside, the bottom of it? It's awesome. Uh, can you imagine what it would feel like if you're on the backside of the dam at the very bottom where it comes out at the river where the actual the Chattahoochee starts at? Could you imagine what it would be like if you were standing there and the sluice gates were open or the dam busted? That's what God is saying. There's people in this room today that I'm ready to open the sluice gates for you. I'm ready to open the windows of heaven for you because I want to bless you beyond what you're used to. Well, really, Pastor? Absolutely. I want you to realize there's windows in heaven. There's windows that we could open. We could. We could open them. Imagine it this morning that if you could access God to where you could have a window open, how many of you would do it? You know, and I'm, I'm speaking this today because I want to see God's people uh, live the life that God, you know, and, you know, and some of the worst things that happens to people is this, and I believe Randy said it this morning when he said this, when I got sick a while back, and this is what I heard people say, Pastor's sick again? Wonder why he's sick. Man, I love that message she, uh, Dr. J preached a couple weeks ago when you got the naysayers and the haters and all that going around and, and people looking down at you and pointing their fingers at you. And, well, I wonder why he's sick. Uh, it must have been he, he must have sinned or his mom and dad sinned. Or could it be the fact that God's allowing this thing to happen so, so when I come out of this thing, I'm giving him the glory 
For all the hell I went through, all the, the frustration, all the crying times I went through, all the times I had to stand on faith, I'm standing there saying, thus saith the Lord, he's going to raise me up. And when I come out of it, I'm standing on him instead of the doctors or instead of medicine. I am giving him the glory for it. But most people say, oh, he's sick again. I wonder what's wrong with our pastor. I wonder why he's sick again. I wonder why. You know, I'm just telling you some things that happens when you get sick or when Christians go through things. And a lot of people don't understand why they go through them. But see, the Lord showed me the other night, he says, man, here's a window. When God shows you a window and it's not open, you've got two choices. You've got two choices. You can sit there and look at the window and wonder... What's on the other side? What do you do when God shows you a window and it's closed? Open it. You have the capability of opening the window. You have the capability of opening the door. So what does the window represent? Remember what I told you a while ago? A window represents light and heat. You know, it lets heat in and air in. It does. It, it, that's what windows do in our lives. It, 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 it illuminates or it brings the passion, the fire of God into our lives. When we allow a window to open in our lives, it's God saying, I want to take you to the next step. I want to take you to the next level. But you've got to open the window. You've got to allow the windows to be open. What about, who was that guy that wrestled with an angel? Who? Jacob, you know why Jacob was wrestling with an angel? He had got to a place, to a rock, that he thought he had found the doorway to heaven. This, uh, a matter of fact, let me do you this way. Some of you might understand it better. He got to a place to where he thought he found the stairway to heaven. And so he went back to the spot, to, and he thought that he would wrestle with an angel all night, and he would get his blessing. But how many of you know that what moved God today may not move God tomorrow? What song you sang today may not move God tomorrow in that song service, but what you have to realize is uh, you have to go where God is and you have to take advantage of the opportunities to get what God's got for you. Oh, I'm preaching better than you letting on this morning. Is this okay? He says, but I set before you windows. Malachi chapter 1, real quick. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. Put that up for me. I want to show you something this morning because I'm not after your tithes. You, you, you done made up your heart that you were going to be a thief and a robber. So look what he's really talking about here. See, because tithing's not the issue. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved him. Y'all remember the story with Esau and Jacob? One sold his birthright to the other, didn't he? For a bowl of beans. In other words, he was so greedy. Look up verse 6 for me, Pat, in the same, in the same chapter. I'm going to teach to you today a little bit. You better put the straw up. You're going to need a fork and a knife today. No straws today. This is not going to be a serpent message. That's what you're used to. All right, now verse number six. Look what it says there. Y'all read that for me. Well, we had that leadership this morning. Some of you don't honor me no more. Some of you look at me like, like Joe Blow and, and you don't honor your own he heavenly father. 
You don't honor nothing. And, and, and this is what he said. See, you think Malachi is talking about your billfold, but he's talking about something else, guys. What Malachi is trying to get God's people in alignment to get out of the little bitty blessing and get them over into the wow, we floodgates of heaven open blessing. This is what he's telling them. If you want to get back to where God can bless you really good, you got to get back to some honor, some respect, or you got to get back to where you're listening to what your father says and you're, you're respecting the house of God. You, man, that's awesome stuff. That's what he's talking about. Put up chapter 2, verse 17. See, now this is all in Malachi. See, all y'all ever hear is the part where it says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. Look what verse 17 says. Y'all read that for me. Who has? Who? Read. You have, let me read it for you, okay? You have wearied the Lord. When you get kids, they'll weary you. The Lord has kids. We're his kids. And this is what he's telling us this morning. Look over, look over to the one you sat next to and say, you're wearing him. And you thought it was somebody else. He said, you have worried the Lord with your words. And you know why he said words? Do you know why it says words there? Because your words, listen to this. Your words, look over to your neighbor and say, your words is your actions because what you speak is how you act. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Somebody ought to tweet that today and put it on uh, 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 the tweeter and, and, and let everybody else know it. All right, let's read it a little bit more. Yet you say, wherein have we worried him? When you say everyone, say everyone, that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them or where is God the God of judgment we've done got to the place to where we don't know what's right no more we justify things even when they're wrong you know I have people tell me well I don't have to go to church you know I'm not going to debate the issue no more I care less if you come on Wednesday or not you know, I'm not going to argue with you the fact you can sit home with, with your children, your, your TV remotes, your dogs, your cars, and everything. It don't matter to me. But don't expect the sluice gates or don't expect God to give you. You might get the little bitty crumb, uh, uh, crumb drops along your life's way, but you'll never get the bayou blessings or, or the dam-breaking blessings that God has for your life. I'm sorry, guys. I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth, but I'm talking to somebody today that's willing to listen to what God's speaking to them. This is what it says. You've worried the Lord. In chapter 2. Chapter 1, it talks about yourself. Chapter 2, it talks about what you've done to the Lord. Is this all right? All right I'm, I'm, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And, 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 and if you look now with me, turn with me now to chapter 3. Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Let's start off in verse 7, Pat, because we done, we done read the icing verse. Let's go back now and read the eggs and the flour and the vanilla flavor. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. 
return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, wherein shall I return? See, see, there's people in this room today sit there and say, what are you talking about? I can preach, you know, if I preach on, and I have people tell me this, I can preach on sin, they sit there and say, who's he talking about? I know he's not talking about me. I can preach on tithing and people say, well, I, tithe, I know he's not talking about me. I can, I can preach on being rebellious and oh, he's not talking about me. I can preach on acknowledging God. and Well, I move when God says move. I do what God says. When's the last time you went out and won somebody for the Lord? When's the last time you helped your neighbor? Where did I get to? But you said, wherein shall we return? Verse 8. Put up verse 8 for me. Will a man rob God? See, 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 some of y'all really struggle with the tithes and offerings. Some of you really struggle with it. But see, it's not the tithes and the offerings that's the problem. It's not. Next verse, please. See, now I want you to realize something today. Some of you, some of you, because God hadn't dropped a hammer in heaven yet, and, and, and I think I can say this and you'll understand what I'm talking about. See, sometimes people of God sin and they continue to sin because they get away with it. That's why there's little white lies in churches today. Is little white lies right? No. But do people tell little white lies? Well, we, let's don't even, I tell you what, we're all church folks today. We're all sanctified and we're holy. Let's don't call them church lies, okay? Or little white lies. Let's just call them fabricating the truth a little bit, or stretching the truth a little bit. That way we're, none of us is sinners in the room, okay? We're all, we're all sanctified. We're still sanctified, amen? So it don't matter. Just stretch the truth a little bit, okay? Stretch a little bit. And he says, you're, you're cursed with a curse. And see, you don't realize this, but you might, you might continue being blessed for three more months or six more months or another year. But there's something going to turn one day. And when it turns, it's going to reverse all the blessing, all the obedience that you've done. And then bad things are going to start happening. You're going to start losing your nerve. You're going to start getting pressure. You're going to start having, uh, you're going to start having these anxiety attacks. Then you're going to start worrying. You're going to start worrying a lot. Then you, uh, your family, your marriage is not going to be as good as it used to be. Then your job's not going to be as good. Then, you, you, then your car's going to mess up. Maybe your animals, your livestock's going to mess up. And all of a sudden you'll find out, man, you're starting on a downhill spiral. Not me, pastor. It says you. Everyone that robs God. But that's still not the issue. Put up verse 10 now. The whole nation. The whole nation. People are guilty of it. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. All right, verse 11, because I want to get you through that one. I just want you to see that if you do, if you'll do these things, that open windows in heaven. And it says in verse 11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your your grounds, neither shall 
your vines cast her fruit before its time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. See, remember what I told you earlier about God's got plans for you and you've got plans for you? But the ideal situation for us is to find out God's plans for our life. How can we get this window of heaven open? How can we get this window to where it will open up and it will pour out not just a, a paycheck, not just a tax return, not just you got a little deal and they give you a refund or, 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 or somebody slipped you $10 or bought you dinner, but I'm talking about where the gates of heaven are open. I'm talking about where, where people look at you and they say, my God, you know, I wanted to do an illustration this morning open and pour water over somebody's head and say, this is what it looks like when God opens the floodgate. They're standing here, man. Can you imagine? Just all dripping water. Water and their hair's all over their head and their clothes soaking wet. And they look at you and say, come on in. The water's fine. God is blessing amazingly today. And I'm thinking, God, guys, we're shortchanging ourselves. And this is what God's talking about. Am I making any sense this morning? I want you to realize this word here, this word, in other words, it indicates that God is saying to his people that if you will, see, he don't even mention about the tithes and the offers. He's mentioning about if you'll go back in Malachi chapter one and Malachi chapter two, you'll follow up and you'll find out, you know what the main theme is through Malachi one, two, and three is obedience. It don't have anything to do with giving. It talks about if you open up your heart to God, if you open up your heart to your fellow man, if you'll if you love God and quit worrying him and quit chasing after things that you want instead of what he wants, he will open the window of heaven. He will open it for you. They are windows. They are windows, guys. I want to show you something. I want you to write this verse of scripture down today because I want you to realize this. In other words, God is saying, God is saying, I will load you up with blessing. Give me some scripture to prove that fact this morning. Write down Psalms 68, verse 19. And this is what he says to you, us that don't really believe it all. He says, this is the Lord speaking. He says, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us up with benefits, even the God of our salvation. God wants to load you up every day with blessings. He does. Is this okay? I want you to get it, man. The blessings of God's windows open in heaven. They're not always material. They're not. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of light. Guess, guess what comes in through the window? Golly, you're catching it. He says, every good and perfect gift cometh down. I, I want to share something with you today. It's very fascinating. You know, the first time uh, uh, the, the windows of heaven is mentioned is in Genesis. What, what book is Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, correct? Chapter 7. The world had become so wicked, guys. And, and there was a man named who? 
Noah, uh, he was a righteous man who believed in God, a preacher of the gospel, a preacher of righteousness. Uh, the Bible says that he was praying and God told him, he said, I'm about to open the windows of heaven. And in, in Genesis chapter 7, the Bible says the ground breaks open and all of a sudden the, the earth gives forth and, and the windows of heaven was open and a great flood come and flooded the earth. The first flood come due to sin. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The first flood come due to sin. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. What opens up the windows? Sin. God will open up the windows and pour out wrath when we sin. Number two, the second time we see that the windows was open in heaven, as you can write this down, it's in first, it's in Second Kings chapter 7, verse 19. There was a famine in the land. There was a great famine in the land. And they needed a miracle. They needed something from God. And God told Elijah, he said, I will open the windows of heaven. During this famine, I will open the windows. So we see that God, through a famine, he can work through people. Why does it take a famine? Because most people are in need. They wait till they get to the place where they need, and they'll call upon God. But God will deliver in a famine. Is this all right? In a famine. Daniel. See, some of us don't even realize this, and we don't even take advantage of this. We don't take advantage of prayer. And I'm going to say this today, guys, and I'm not spanking nobody, but I want you to realize the significance of prayer. Okay, I want you to realize this significance of prayer. Uh, Daniel was in a place where the king Nebuchadnezzar was really putting pressure on him and he was really going to have, matter of fact, he was going to have him thrown into prison and it was going to eventually have him killed. But you know what Daniel done? The Bible says Daniel, Daniel got down three times a day and prayed in front of a window. He prayed, in other words, he prayed in front of an opening like this right here. Father God, in the name of Jesus. And that window was open enough to where his prayers could go up. He prayed three times a day. He prayed three times a day. And the Bible says that the windows of heaven were opened up to him. My God. That represents personal deliverance. That represents personal deliverance. The first time heaven was opened up and the floods came, that it recognized, it represented sin. And he wiped it out. And here, here the third time, or the fourth time I should say, the famine was one. Daniel's prayer was one. You know, I'm going to say this, guys. We have a Hispanic church here. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a Hispanic church comes here on uh, on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. They have about 70 for church. It's pretty cool. When they first started, we had more than them. But now they have more than us. They started a prayer night, and they have about 50 there now. We have, where's Pat? Pat, how many did we have for prayer night last Monday night? A couple or a few? Daniel began to pray and the window was open, guys. 
You may say, well, I don't have time, Pastor, to come all the way down there to that church. The pastor felt the call of God to call a Monday night prayer night. Y'all ignored me, and you still ignore me. And you wonder why the windows ain't open for you. Malachi chapter 3. Again, the fourth time or the fifth time now that I've proved to you in the Bible. I've proved to you again in the Bible. Malachi chapter 3. Here it says, the windows open again in heaven. How does it, how's it open this time? Through people opening up their hearts to, to their fellow man, opening their hearts up to God and being obedient will allow the window. I know you're doing good, but could you imagine what would happen if you would allow God to work in your life? How much better it would be? I'm sorry I get loud, but man, I'm excited. You know, maybe I'm tired of seeing you wash cars and, and, and God wants you to be an executive over something. Or maybe uh, I'm tired of seeing you uh, push a broom and God wants you to be president of a company. You talking about me, pastor? Absolutely. Listen to this, guys. There's nothing that, te that tests a person's true view of an invisible realm more than testing in their tithing. If you really want to see if somebody really believes in the supernatural and believes in a God that you can't see, watch and see how to tithe or not because that'll prove that they really believe. It'll test you every time because you can't see them. Oh, I don't think God wants to. You know, there's been people fall out over the money they give the church and all. Ah, that's all they ever talk about. You know what? Uh, you go to McDonald's in and buy something for nothing. How are we going to ever build a hospital? Or ever, how are we ever going to build a, a nursing home for or people? Or how are we ever going to grow? How can we ever have enough money to do a youth or something if you won't even be the right Christian? Well, God said he'd open the window. He will. What was that scripture Pastor Randy quoted this morning? Giving it. Giving. So how can God give back if you don't give him nothing to work with? How can God give you a hundredfold if you can't even trust him with a ten? How can you ask God to open the floodgates when you won't even get your feet wet in the creek? Is this okay? Man, I'm hoping you're getting, I'm hoping it's kind of, you're having to pull your knife out a little bit, saw it up and cut on it. Listen to this, guys, I want to tell you something. How do we get these windows open? How do we keep them open? Through our obedience, keeping our hearts open. Psalms 138, well, I mean, Psalms 139, 23 says this. Can you put it up for me real fast? What's it say? See, because I can ask you anything and you'll tell me anything. I'm not a fly on the wall, I don't go home with you. But I do know this, if you'll say, God, search my heart. Look inside it, see if there's anything. Next thing I want to bring out to you is this. Keep your mouth open in prayer. Keep your mouth open in prayer and in praise. Why it's important? Why is it important? Because 
If all we do is pray and praise, guess what? We're communicating to God and we're thanking him for what he's about to do in our lives. We don't have those yo-yo days. We don't have the down days. We don't have it. And, and, and when we do go through a, a time and a season of testing, we go through it with a praise in our heart and on our lips. And, and we go through that thing and we go through it and we come out on the other side like the three Hebrew children. We may smell like smoke, but we're not burned up. We might look like we've been to hell and back, but we're still standing strong and we've got God with us and, and, and he's still there. Because of what we said, is this all right? Keeping our mouths attentive to what we say. Keeping our pocketbooks open. Do you know that according to Proverbs 3, put up Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 for me real fast. I'm going to try to speed it up. I want you to get this this morning. 3 and 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy and with thy and all thy Now I'm going to ask some of you a question. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Isn't it get, isn't it get aggravating? Isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it aggravating just to live on enough? I know some of you living on enough because you hadn't bought me dinner since you've been coming here. I'm being honest with you. Give and it shall be given. You know, I mean, I'm just saying that for a reference point this morning because, see, sometimes you expect somebody else to do, but don't the Scripture say, give and it shall be given? Uh, offer somebody something first and see what they do. See how they reciprocate back. Don't the Bible say God blew breath into man, then, then man turned around and done what? Breathed it back? This is good stuff this morning. If you're getting anything out of it, say amen. amen. Let me move on a little bit. Keep your hands open. Learn to help others. Where are you getting all this from? First John 3, 17, you don't have to go there, Patrick, because we're running out of time. But it says learn to help others. Be a help. Be a help. Point number five is keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Why is it important? Why is it important to keep your eyes open? Because, guys, if you don't recognize your window of opportunity, what's going to happen? See, God said, I got windows of heaven, but I believe God's people are missing the opportunity. I believe there's people sitting in this room today, you're missing it. You're missing it because you don't pay attention in church. You don't pay attention at home. You don't surrender to the Holy Spirit. You won't surrender to a man of God. You won't, you won't get connected to the house of God. You know, you know, you know what bothers me? Is I see, I see older Christians they come in and they don't have what they should have in the winter years of their life. But can I tell you, God's got a plan? Because the Bible says, if someone will come into the house of God early and plant themselves in the house of God. Matter of fact, Psalm says it best like this. If you will plant yourself in the house of God in your winter years, what does that mean? In the winter years of your life, in the elderly years of your, your life, you shall flourish. 
So it's important to get in the house of God, get planted. I know you may be here 15 years or maybe 20 years and, and you and your grandma and your grandpa may be here, but my God, don't let it become an old thing to you in a routine. But how can we recognize? Do you know that there's a timing of God? Do you know that timing's important? You can miss your timing. And if you miss your timing, I've had people come up to me after service and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I'm gonna tell you something, guys. It won't do no good. Because when the anointing leaves me and service is over, and I know it's hard for some people to understand because they think, well, well, well if you was gonna pray for them then, can't you pray for me now? If the anointing's not on you, can you? I can pray, but it ain't gonna be no, it won't be an anointed prayer. But, but how do we get to the place where we recognize? Uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says it in chapter three that there's a time and a season. There's a timing for everything that, that you might make your season, but you can miss your timing. There's people in this room today, you're frustrated because you're no further along in life and you are right now and you know you should have been this and you should have been that. Maybe you should have been doing something different, but you're frustrated because you've just missed your timing. Am I talking to anybody now? Am I making any sense now? You don't want to wait till you're 70 and sign up for a marathon or Mr. Universe. It may not happen. You don't want to wait till you're 85 decide you're going to start your corporation and you're, you're going to be a developer and you're going to develop subdivisions and, and you're going to be the main framer. I think you might have missed your timing. All right, ladies, let me get you. You're 85 now and you want to win the Miss America pageant. Wrong. I know we're trying to have a little fun here this morning, but let's be real. There's not that many Sarah's and left. But timing's important. See, some of you are sitting there today. Let me tell you about Helen Keller. She was blind, but she could see better than most. See, some of us are in here today and our eyes are open and we're praying, God, God, open the door and show me, Lord. What do you want me to do, God? Put me where you want me. And God is telling me to tell you today the windows of heaven is open, but you are ignoring the timing. You're not taking advantage of the window. You're not going through it. You're not experiencing the blessings of the open window. How, how can I... How can I, listen to this guys, I know you're profound and you're, you're prophetic and you're very intelligent. You've got more degrees in a thermostat and you're smarter than I am. I understand all that. And because you come up from a younger uh, generation than me, you know more than I do. But tell me something today. How can a blind man recognize his opportunity and here you are sitting in this room today and you can see with both eyes and you're missing yours. Blind Barnabas was sitting on the side of the road and a crowd of people around everywhere. Can you imagine this? The crowd was so great. The noise was so loud. But all of a sudden, he couldn't see, but he could hear a noise that Jesus was passing by. He didn't have one glimpse that, man, uh, uh, what was about to happen, but he had an opportunity, a window of opportunity. See, opportunity comes to you different ways. The greater the opportunity, the greater the risk, the greater reward. Sometimes you just have to step out and say, God, whoo, there's a lot at stake here. See, I don't believe some of you really want to go the distance with God. I believe some of you just want the title. I believe some of you want the anointing, but you're not really willing to go through the hell to get it. Is this okay? 
But here blind Bartimaeus was. He didn't have nothing to lose. See, see, his biggest saying was, I'm willing to give it up all. I don't got nothing no way. I'm willing to, 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 I'm willing to get past the crowd. Some of us can't get past the crowd. I'm willing to make a mockery out of myself. Uh, he was willing to get out in front of everybody and begin to cry out, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, we, we can cry out Jesus in the church house, but what do we do when we leave here? Are we still holy? I wonder how much church we got on Monday morning when we at work. Really. But what I want you to realize is this morning is blind Barnabas didn't miss his opportunity. Are we going to miss ours? Are we? What are you talking about today, Pastor? I'm talking about this, guys. Our opportunity is when? Now. Our opportunity for God to do great things is now. Right now. Right now. If you want a bigger God, right now is the opportunity. If you want a bigger church, right now is the time for us to swing it. Right now is the time if we want the windows of heaven to open. I've given you reasons and ways that these windows are open. Remember what I said? When you open your hands, when you open your heart, when you pray, when you help others, when you sow into the kingdom, it's open unto you. Guys, it, it won't open no other way. It won't open no other way. And I want you to imagine this morning what could cause, you know, Winston Churchill said this, and I think it's, it, it's very profound, very profound. Winston Churchill said that there, there becomes a time in someone's life that they just have to seize the moment. There'll come a time in your life that being complacent is no longer where you want to be. And all of a sudden, something will come up and you'll just have to step out and grab a hold of it. You have to, in other words, you have to seize your moment. I don't know today if you're listening to me or not. But every person that's done anything great for God has had to come to the place to where they had to seize the moment. They had to be like Barnabas. May not see it with the natural eyes, but know that God's sending you something through the spiritual realm. And if you're going to grab it, you're going to have to grab it now. If you want to be great, you're going to have to go after it now. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it now. And he said, if you would, I'll open the windows in heaven. And I'm not talking just little bitty things, blessings. I'm talking about where he absolutely, when, can you imagine? I wish I'd have done that illustration today, but I don't think I'd have got a volunteer. Can you imagine somebody walking through the church, walking through the front of the congregation and their feet slopping, water dripping off of them, head running all the way down them. And you're looking at them and they say, wow, man, God just poured one on me. You know, God wants to pour one on us, guys. 
He wants us to experience something we've never experienced. And he will. He said he had opened the windows of heaven. But today, we have to seize the opportunity. If we're going to make a difference in this community, we're going to seize the opportunity. If you're going to make a difference in your business, you've got to seize the opportunity. If you're going to make a difference in somebody else's life, let me tell you what the Bible says. He says, put me first. First means first, first in everything. And I'll add all these to you. I'll open the windows of heaven. But we have to seize the opportunity. Today, guys, if you would stand on your feet.